In the beginning, there was darkness. Then, there was Paul Brown. Paul Brown transformed the game. Hello, Paul Brown here. Welcome to the first ever International Browns Podcast. Good morning, Cleveland. Bonjour, le Cleveland. I'm here in France and I'm with Ian, right, 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 and Jack Duffin in England. How are you guys? Everything just feels better and right when it's you doing the intro and not one of us do. Hello, everybody. I mean, come on, Jack. That's perfect. Well, I feel when you're talking about the Cleveland Browns, it all feels a lot better than I talk about the Cleveland Browns. So there we go. But Jack, I've got to say, mate, a lovely article on um, Twitter today about your 35 locked on for the uh, Browns 53 rosters. Yeah, we're getting there. 18 spots open, left for battles in camp. And we've got legit players in that. And the days of like which third round pick is going to start week one are well and truly uh, a distant memory. We're now talking about there's legit players. Uh, people are like, oh, we'll get this guy in the practice squad. I'm like, that guy's not getting to the practice squad. He's going to get claimed and play for another team this year. And that is a really, really nice change from uh, a few years ago. Mm. But yeah, Jack, really good article. Um, but we're going to focus on the defence today. Is that correct? Yeah. So what we're going to do is just have a look through different defensive rooms um, and talk about where we're at now and sort of do we see additions, whether it's via the draft, whether it's via free agency, um, just to sort of touch on some names. Um, and we're going to start with the defensive tackle just because as soon as we uh, went to press record, there was news broke. So it, it's the perfect place to start. And I'll break it down in the three film, uh, three groups. So we've got locks. These guys, either through guarantees or just because of talent, we know they're going to be on the team unless traded or something nuts happens. Then we've got your bubble guys. These guys are probably going to make the team or they'll get claimed by someone else because they're, they're good enough to be on a team. And then you've got your practice squad guys that they're competing for a practice squad spot because, hey, to be honest, they're, they're not on the fringe of making the 53, but they can contribute. Um, a role to the team. So we'll start with the DTs. Um, and the two names that are locks currently are Tomlinson and Winfrey. Then if we go into the bubble category, we've got Elliot. The reason he's there is because he's due 2.7 million this year. Then we've got Hill, who got 300,000 of guarantees. We've got Mo Hurst with no guarantees. Togiai and Stilly. Um, and then there's two guys that in that practice squad category. We've got Perry, um, who's the former guard that transitioned. And then J- Juma 4. How did I do it? I'm just going to call him Duomfor, Michael Duomfor. I mean, the stud out of uh, Rutgers. I mean, anybody that comes from Rutgers, clearly a stud. Duomfor. It's kind of funny, Jack. We talk about like these big areas of need, right? Wide receiver, go sign 14 guys. And now we're like D-tackle. Here's nine guys and we're bringing in potentially a 10th. So it's like, clearly, this is one of those ones where they're like, we're going to focus on addressing this. But also, I, I mean, we talk about Winfrey being a lock in the sense of, you know, he was drafted. We've seen a little flashes. But just remember, he's had some off the field translating the on the field issues. So when we say 
he's a lock. He's a lock provided he doesn't, you know, fumble figuratively the ball. So he's got to make sure he shows up on time, gets up on time, and is being a diligent employee of the team for him to be a lock. If he shows up and competes on time the way he's supposed to, he will be a lock. However, the Browns may not feel as comfortable in saying we're going to rely on this guy to be a top four D tackle. Yeah, and so just to sort of break down what we expect from the D-line room, they've kept nine every year, and I expect it to be the same just because, hey, they're going to want six linebackers and we'll get onto that room. Two out of the three years, they've kept five edges, and then one of the years they've kept five DTs. So we're not 100% on which way they go, but you've got roughly 1,100 snaps um, in the position room. You've got 600 snaps a year is what Tomlinson's provided sort of each of the last four or five years. So you feel pretty comfortable. He That's 600 of those snaps done, but that's still 1,100 at three tech and another um, 500 at one tech. Um, they're brought in, bringing in Al Woods for a visit. If you signed him, that's effectively your two one techs done. We feel pretty confident with that. Yeah, I mean, when we're talking about that, you know, that zero shaded one, two, like we're talking about the guy that's going to line up over the center. That's where you're talking about that Dalvin Tomlinson, that big, just space eater. And at what, 36 years old, that's exactly what he would be. He would be in, I think ideally, I mean, I don't know, Jack, we'd have to go back and look like what was Tomlinson's snap percentages with the Vikings? I mean, was he closer to maybe that 50%? Did he creep up to 60%? Maybe the Browns are looking at it and saying, hey, we know he's going to be very effective as a pass rusher and a rush uh, run stopper if we keep him at 50% of the snaps and let's cycle in two other guys at that kind of big nose position, uh, you know, just to kind of keep him fresh. Because, yes, you're paying him, but you're also paying him to be productive. And if they can maybe shave eight to 10 snaps off his snap count and make him more productive, I think they'll do it. Oh, 100%. I'd rather have a guy that's it's 55% that he played last year. I'd rather have him 55% and productive and go, hey, we want 60 out of you, but then you're going to lose a pressure out of every 100 snaps or something. That's not where you want to go. You would rather have a few less snaps and you're getting really, really good impact off him because it's a lot of money to spend for 600 snaps um, in there. I think if that's, say they're bringing out Woods, that's him, Tomlinson and that, done. One tech sorted. Three tech, interesting position of where we go now, because you've got Winfrey, you've got Hill, you've got Hirsch, you've got Elliot. I would say they're, they're your four most realistic names. Elliot, the team's obviously a lot higher than we are, um, based on last year, because I was happy to let him go, um, or even just be a depth piece. I don't think they'll draft someone and expect them to start right away, because that's risky, especially when you're picking that late. Um, but it's going to be an interesting one. I, I think if he's healthy, Mo Hurst is a phenomenal four to 500 snap guy. And the other part is you've got Miles Garrett that could easily come in and play your sort of 50 snaps a year at three tech. You've got maybe one of the other edges they might bring in or develop someone into that. Um, and it could be that we'll get onto the edge room. If they draft a guy, it could be a bit of a edge three tech hybrid that they, they go and draft and go, actually, we, we're going to get you to do a little bit of both. Maybe if it's a bigger edge. Yeah. We talk traditionally about, you know, one, three, five, seven, nines. I mean, realistically, there's no one size fits all for this. Right. So you could see it where the Browns maybe run, 
you know, a zero shade and a two eye on one down. And then the next down, maybe they run a four or they run, you know, a, a five. I mean, it's tough because I think with Schwartz and really the NFL in whole, right? I think the simple nature of a fan is like, all right, can we pencil this guy in as a one? Can we pencil this guy in as a three? Can we pencil him as a five? It makes it easier on us, but I don't think a defensive coordinator or D line coach is sitting there like going to hamstring themselves by saying, okay, this guy is going to fit this role, right? When we talked about that, the big one, so to say, we're talking about Tomlinson and we're talking about potentially Al Woods. Well, there's also Ben Still, right? Or Steele, however you want to say it. Is this a guy where the Browns say, you know what? We're going to hybrid and we're going to go with five D tackles because we want to have three of these guys and we want to have a Mo Hurst and, you know, a Tommy Togi, just whatever, just name a night. We keep a fifth guy, but it's because they want to have the multitude of flexing five guys from maybe your four eye to the left, your four eye to the right, because they're like, we're going to let our ends be out wide. But realistically, if there's only a certain type of guy, like a Miles Garrett, an Ogo, you know, an Alex Wright, we're going to keep them primarily outside because we want a majority of these guys to take the inside snaps. We want to clog up that middle because we want to start funneling these guys to the outside. We want to move that pocket. We want the quarterbacks running towards Miles Garrett, not away from Miles Garrett. So there's something in the works, and they're going to change up how the D-line. You can just tell by the roster construction. They're changing something. My guess is this could be the year we see five traditional D tackle styles with different, you know, strengths and weaknesses and four edges if they go to the nine. Or it could even be that they go 10 this year, even though they traditionally have done nine. Now, to be fair, the last time they kept five on the interior was that year where they brought in lots of bodies, that Malik Jackson, the Malik McDowell, and they just thought, hey, let's get enough guys. We'll throw it all at the wall and see what works. So certainly could be a route that they go and have their eyes on that. Yeah, and, and it'll be interesting to see, you know, because I think some of these guys, you know, the Roderick Perrys, and the, I think these are the guys you're looking maybe as the practice squad to try to develop. And, you know, I don't see them with this many bodies drafting a D tackle. It wouldn't make a lot of sense. There's no room for them unless there's a guy in the seventh round. You're like, you know what? We had a fourth round grade on this guy, and he's still here in the seventh. Maybe a guy like that. Um, and then you look at, you know, uh, a Broderick Perry or, uh, you know, whoever lasts between the Tristan Hill, Mo Hurst, who knows. But yeah, I think this is the year that we're going to just see a different defensive front than we're used to. And it may not always be very easy to understand where guys are lining up. Like, well, wait, why did Tomlinson line up on the nose in this play, but then was in the two eye on the next play? You could see something as exotic as that, because at the end of the day, the defensive line is oh, an entire calculus of different formations, different responsibilities. You know, we, I was talking on Twitter the other day uh, with a gentleman, we were talking about like prospects and he was like, well, if you have all these edges, their job isn't going to be to be there against the run. Just remember on every defensive play, every D tackle and every defensive end has two responsibilities. One is pass rush. One is run. Obviously some guys are better. So if it's third and 17 in the back of your head, you're thinking this is not a run play, but if it's first and 10, they have a gap. They have a lane, right? This is where we've seen the Browns struggle in the past because gap responsibility is if I'm a D tackle and I'm lined up in the four I, the reason I'm in that gap is to fulfill this role. If Miles Garrett's on the wide nine, he's not just there to go after the quarterback. He's also there to set the edge, right? So when you're looking at prospects, you have to understand these people may have multiple things to do in the single play. 
shed and stack twists stunts you know you're going to see some different formations on how this defensive line is running compared to what we did with joe woods whether it works we'll find out paul what do you think yeah jack i've got a question for you on your twitter 35 rock are locked in people you've put alex Wright on the bubble but he was a third round pick last year do you really think the browns would not guarantee him to play this year He's on a lock. Um, yeah. He's he's a lock on my sheet. Maybe Paul has an unupdated one. Uh, let's have a look. Have I made a mistake here? Yeah, yeah I made a mistake. Awkward. Awkward. Oh, another name. <laughs> Talking King Mil Matosa. I appreciate it. And with that, though, we'll jump into the edge room that um, I think is worth going. So, generally, we're keeping nine um, D linemen. Um, we spoke that, hey, it's four and five, one way or the other. We've got Garrett, Okoronkwo, and Wright locked in. I expect them all to make the team. We've got Thomas on the bubble. And then we've That's got him, Thomas. Sam Kamara, who is um, not going to make the final 53, um, but could be a practice squad name potentially. So Yeah, the odd part is they have him listed as a linebacker in some forms or fashion too. At 6'2", 275, that's one hell of a linebacker. <laughs> yeah. Reggie Raglan's big brother. Um, big. So I'll touch on Thomas first and why I think he's here because Garrett and Okoronkwo, great. We know what they are. Locked in, super happy. I'm not quite ready to give Alex Wright my third edge um, because could he be the third piece in rotation? Yes. But if he's your third edge, you also have to be prepared for if Garrett or Okoronkwo go down, he's starting. And that, for me, is terrifying. So I want to see them add a veteran. And the issue is if you then add a veteran, and we'll touch on some veteran names in a second, if you then do that, well, suddenly Thomas is your fifth edge. And then, well, if you draft someone because you like a guy like, say, Derek Hall falls to pick 74, well, Thomas is off the roster. And that's why I've got him in a bubble. He actually had a good pressure rate, only played limited amount of snaps last year, but pressure rate was still strong. Um, I think it was something like eight pressures on 74 pass rushes, some, something in that range. Um, but yeah, I, I, I question whether he makes the team. And it might be one way you go, is his ceiling that high? Um, and I think if you put him out to waivers to try to get into the practice squad, he probably gets claimed because other teams aren't that deep at edge. Um, it's, it's a difficult spot. It's one where if you can go out and get a Justin Houston in free agency and then you can get a Derek Hall in the draft. I'm not keeping Thomas over the opportunity to have those guys. So it, good guys are going to get cut from the Browns. And that is glorious news because that is competition at his heart. And listen, I don't think the Browns are done. You know, we talk about this first and second wave of free agency really dying out. And listen, I take as much stock as you want, but the Browns website put out an article earlier today listing free agents, right? Six out of the seven that they mentioned are defensive players with four out of the seven being defensive linemen, you know, D tackles, defensive ends. You know, you mentioned about a veteran. They said Robert Quinn or Melvin Ingram. I think that's what you're talking about. The same thing with Alex, Wright. We don't mind seeing him a little bit, but you could almost have something where they look at, say, we'll just use Melvin Ingram and Robert Quinn where miles Garrett's your primary. And then you kind of have a two ABC, right? You have a Robert Quinn and Ogo and you have an Alex Wright. All three of them are completely different bodies. I mean, Melvin Ingram, Alex Wright and Ogo, 
do not have the same like skill set, right? So the Browns could look at this and saying, we're going to build out our four edges completely different. And Isaiah Thomas, it's like, hey, man, we want you to be here. But Jack, we've talked about it in the past. You're going to have to earn this 53 spot. You're not going to be a seventh round pick out of Oklahoma with a flash in the pants here and there. And listen, we've seen it. We've at times, but both said, man, Isaiah Thomas at times looks like Miles Garrett coming off the edge. But then there's times he comes off the edge and you're like, that looks like Isaiah Thomas from the Detroit Pistons playing round ball, as you guys call it. And just to run through some names, because there's there's quite a lot of names here. So guys that I think are too expensive. So we'll touch on these first. Leonard Floyd, Yannick Ngokwe, Frank Clark. I don't think that those guys are there. But guys that I could see in that sort of two to three and a half million range, Rasheem Green, Carlos Dunlap, Melvin Ingram, Shaq Lawson, Bud Dupree, Justin Houston, Trey Flowers. And all those guys, there's none of them that I'd really want as my edge two. But if they're your age three on one year where you're going, look, we're really hopeful Alex Wright's going to take a step forward. And it might be they don't like someone in the draft and they're saying, hey, Alex Wright and Thomas in a year's time, one of those two guys is going to be our age three. And you get times where the third round pick doesn't work out and the guy in the seventh round does well. You only have to think to Schwartz and DPJ. We've seen this before where the later pick ends up a lot better. Um, I don't think they're going to be fussy as a team. But hey, bring guys in, and if the rookie is forced out after one year, I'm fine with that. But I want to see competition. Maybe Andrew Barry looks and says, calls around and says to the league, hey, I got this guy, he's developing. It's just he's not going to fit our new defensive front. We got a new scheme. So you could see some you know, people moving. Maybe there's a safety here, a linebacker here from an old scheme that you look and say, you know Isaiah Thomas has a little – we've seen it with the Mac Wilson, right? You give us this, this, and we'll switch six-round picks, right? Or something – you could see some of that with some of these guys too. 100%. If, if you're going to get rid of him and your seventh rounder becomes a sixth rounder next year, then happy days. Absolutely. Paul, you looking forward to having all the big men in the front? I mean – over the years, one of the things we've talked about mostly is the Browns' inability to get pressure when it counts. So do you think that this has really been a focus for the Browns this offseason? Yes, it feels like it. But every year we seem to have a big tackle and we have defensive problems for the last six, seven years. Sheldon Richardson, um, who's a guy we had in 2017? Danny Shelton? Uh, yeah. No, Shelton. Well, Shelton, oh yeah, was he? I couldn't remember when we traded him because we drafted him in fifteen. Yeah, it always seems, you know, Shadow Richardson was, I think, the best fit for us, maybe uh, PR wise. But yeah, I just feel like it's been a common problem always for the Browns' defensive tackle. Yeah, and it it comes down, I think, to your point, Paul, is a lot of the D tackles, the Dalvin Tomlinsons, right? These are second and third round picks that develop. And when you're changing coaching staffs like the Browns had over the years, you know, we're talking about so many different coaches before Stefanski has actually come in. We haven't, we've had so many holes, right? You're talking about edges and wideouts and quarterbacks, you know, D tackle. It's like, it takes a while for the good teams to get down to those, you know, eighth and ninth and 10th most important positions. And the Browns have never had sustained success or sustained front office to even get down that rate. So now it's kind of nice to see. It's like, all right, we've got, you know, a decent slew of running backs. We had a decent slew of wide receivers. We have a decent slew of corners and safeties. All right, now we're finally getting into the, the kind of bees. I mean, we kind of 
always glorified Bill Callahan for his ability to take offensive linemen, which, you know, we obviously had one, the one sign, um, which we can touch very briefly on since we're talking about defense today, Jack, but it would be nice if we get to that point where our free safeties and our D tackles are second round picks, you know, Jesse Bates, Dalvin Tomlinson, those are two second round picks. So when people talk about trading second round picks and stuff, just remember there's, there's some guys, there's some players in that second round. No, and in the same way, it's like I, I'm not a fan of drafting DTs. And that, that's full on, that regardless of round. Because if I can bring in the guys like your Mohurst, the guys like Hill, and go, look, I'm going to pay one starter five to eight mil. I'm going to pay another one sort of three to five mil. And then I'm going to have two guys that cost me a mil each. I'm happy with that to go four guys, all solid, happy days. Let's go spend the premium picks, the stuff, that, just positions that develop better naturally. Um, because it's it's tough trying to find a DT and then develop them because you almost lose the first year. It, it is a positional value, but the thing is, Jack, if you're bringing all these guys and you have constantly changing over the room and you're getting constant like subpar production at some point you got to just plug the gap right the browns have said enough of this shit they went and said we're going to spend 10 million dollars on tomlinson we're going to plug his ass in there and we're going to say fuck it all right we're we're done with this shit for now we've been kicking this can down the road to paul's point for five six years you know we tried sheldon richardson and he worked for a couple years let's let's not take away from him the Malik McDowell experiment didn't work the Malik jackson was more of this veteran plug al woods type but you know it's like at some point they're just gonna be like all right Spend some money, fill the need, and start developing behind them. Right? You got to at some point draw the line in the sand and say, "Now it's time." Fourth and pick, fifth round picks only. Boom. And I'm not saying don't don't spend money. I'm happy going and say you spend eight million on Clayus Campbell, you spend six million on Matt Ioannidis, and then you you go out and spend two million on one guy, one million on another guy. I'm I'm happy to throw the money. I I'm just at a stage where I'm like, just give me proven guys there. I'm not chasing the high upside draft pick that you hit on a second rounder. Just give me proven. Yeah, outside of core positions, I guess, right? Yeah, yeah, 100%. So, well, linebacker is another one, right? We talk about kind of a constant perpetual state of people coming through. And, you know, the Browns have gone out and brought, let's see, nine, nine linebackers in, right? Now, two of them are coming off serious injuries. So, you know, we kind of have to take that with a grain of salt. But linebacker right now seems to be a little bit of the darling position where Browns fans are saying, this is a position I could definitely see them targeting in the draft. Jack, do you think that's crazy? No, I, th- I think that's roughly where they're at because we look at the room. Walker's locked in. We've got Joe K locked in. We've got Tacky Tacky locked in which I'll touch on again in a second, got Kunisic locked in with half a million of guarantees. Then I would say there's a good chance Adams is a is close to a lock at 300,000 guaranteed. And then with Taki, he might not be ready week one. And if he's not ready week one, they're going to put him on the pup list, which is physically unable to perform. And then he comes back sometime between weeks four and weeks nine. Question on the pup list. When do they, because Anthony Walker's obviously in a very similar thing coming off a serious leg injury. At what point can they put them on the pup list? Now we're in the new league year, right? So I don't, you're not going to see Tiaki Taki. You're not going to see Anthony Walker at the uh, OTAs, right? You're not going to probably see him at the beginning of training camp either. So at what point can the Browns put them on kind of that injury list so they can bring in other guys? Because if I also remember um, Jacob Phillips, right? Jacob Phillips was another one that's coming off an injury. So the Browns should have three linebackers that are potentially coming off of injury. So, 
When do you think they can kind of do that? I don't think if they go on the pup list that you get the additional roster spot back. I think that's only if they go on the IR, which then they can't come back for the season. So I okay. think you, you the pup list still counts towards your 90. I'm not 100% on that, so it's not a quote um, off yeah, the top of my I head. Looked, I don't believe how it works. Jacob Phillips tore his pack October 26th. So he tore his pack pretty late in his, I mean, not late, but, you know, halfway through the season. So I, we're probably not going to see him at OTAs, right? So if you're talking about that, that's I'm, maybe I think I'm starting to answer my question of why the Browns might be drafting a linebacker. Because if Walker, Taki Taki, and Phillips are all at OTAs, you're not gonna really going to run JOK crazy through there. So now you're talking this, the Kunasich, Story Jackson, Tony Fields, and Matthew Adams. So I think Tacky Tacky is the one. I think Walker's got a good shot of being ready um, week one. I'm less concerned about him. I think Tacky Tacky is the interesting one where I think he will start the season on pup. And then you've got like Fields and Phillips effectively fighting for that spot until Tacky Tacky's back. And then I think you've got a sixth linebacker spot that that's the draft pick because they could go out and try signing Reggie Raglan. But if you do that, his agent's going to go, yeah, I need at least 300000 guaranteed because why would you sign to be the, the sixth linebacker on a team that is probably going to draft a linebacker without some guarantees? So that doesn't make sense for him. And also, if you're the team, why are you going to guarantee that money if you don't think he's going to be around? Um, so they, they could go that route if they're really unconfident. But if you're not confident in Walker and all these guys to play, why the hell have we signed them all um, is my argument. So well, I think the idea is give all the young bodies the chance during the off season and stuff, because no, listen, I love Anthony Walker. Anthony Walker doesn't need to, to be there at OTAs. He can stand there and coach guys from the sidelines. We all know he, he's a very intellect, you know, intelligent guy. He's smart on the field. Like he's your quintessential professional. I don't need to see him out there running around. Right. I don't. That's why stand we go after UDFAs, draft picks yeah. and fill those spaces. See if you can find somebody. Fragment. See if there's a guy that catches your eye. So I would say depth chart. So Taki Taki will appear in two spots here before anyone gets upset. Mike Linebacker, I think you're looking at Walker. Then Taki Taki's the second choice. And then Kunisic. I think with Will, you're looking at JOK. And then there's a gap. Then I think Sam, you're looking at Taki Taki. And then it's um, Adams, who actually has played really, really well when he's played Sam. It's a smaller sample. But at the end of the day, we don't play that many um, Sam linebacker snaps because we we're a two linebacker team. Um, one would be the dream. Um, but I, I think in all honesty, you're actually looking for a will looking at this room and where it's set at the moment rather than a mic where people naturally think you've got the space to add a drop. It Obviously, you can work these guys out. As you've said, yeah. you can move them around if you need. But like a Dorian Williams, potentially there if it's in the fourth round, I could see it. Yeah, I think there's definitely roles, right? We talk about Jacob Phillips. They may they say, you know, hey, listen, Mike's not working. We got guys that are going to play Mike. You're going to stand up over here to Will. We need this speed. We need this outside pursuit speed. So, you know, who knows? Maybe they start telling him to start taking some reps out there at the Will, you know, on that route. And with the linebackers, it's really so mixed. We don't have that heavy thumper right? Our guys are more athletic speed guys. You know, the kind of guys Paul likes to see where they sprint from the middle of the field all the way to the ends to make a touch, you know, to make a tackle. I think Taki Taki is probably your most run dominant linebacker, even of this group. It is a question for you, Jack. Do you honestly, or can you honestly see the Browns 
we've got two thirds and two fourths, if I'm correct, taking a, a linebacker with one of them picks. Well, hey, I, I couldn't see them trading up in the second round to take Joe Okay, and they went and did it. So uh, they certainly keep me on my toes. Um, I, I certainly think they could. Um, and, I, and I'd expect someone, um, a board like PFF has Dorian Williams a lot higher than um, sort of the consensus big boards and things like that. It's why he sort of, my eyes instantly drawn to him because that's kind of a tell for the Browns. They like guys um, in a lot of the same ways PFF does. Not so much with linebackers, actually, but one there. But I, I the Jacob, the Jacob Phillips special. Yeah, it, was, it wasn't great. <laughs> it, here's, I, a, here's an open question, Jack. Out of them four uh, draft picks, the third round and the fourth round, pair of each, how many do you think there'll be folks on the defense versus uh, offense? So I, th- I think it's... Potentially every spot can get drafted. Um, they are in a really nice position where they're not tied into, hey, we need this left tackle, we need this cornerback, where we've been in the past when you're drafting that high at one um, and sort of other spots in the first round. I think you're going to see more of a defensive focus because I think their high priority positions is edge. And just because it's such a strong draft, you want to make sure you get an edge. Um, I think they're very likely to take a linebacker. I think they're very likely to take a running back in this draft um, and a tight end. I would say they're the four on a safety. Five spots. I would be shocked if we come out the draft and they haven't addressed all of them. There's probably something I'm missing as well. But just to run through again, running back, tight end, a tackle. I'd be shocked if they don't draft. Well, I could see if they're not drafting one, but I'd put that in the mix. Edge, Linebacker safety, they're the six I'd keep an eye on. So, no way we're taking a quarterback. We could take one in sort of the sixth, seventh round, like Dorian Tomlinson. But the issue is, if you take the carrier third quarterback for the entire season, um, like they did with Kellen Mond last year, the natural place to go would be cut, drop one of the linebackers. The issue you've got is. That linebacker is a special teamer. Bubba Ventro needs him. You're kind of into a problem there. So um, I don't expect a quarterback to get drafted. It, it kind of depends on who's there, right? If there's a guy in the sixth round or seventh round, and maybe you're like, I know I can get this guy to my practice squad, and that's really kind of the sole intention. Because realistically, we don't know what they think of Kellen Mond. We can kind of see they're not too high on him. They went out and got Dobbs, obviously, back. So there was a little bit of roster manipulation there at the end of the season, letting Dobbs go to Tennessee and then bringing him back. But to your point, Paul, it could be a quarterback. It would be late day three, and it would be a guy that they want to just see more of maybe for the next year or two. So I I could see them. If a guy is drafted, I don't think there's a realistic shot of him being a backup. I think that just means that they're going to let this guy and – Mond fight it out for that that third quarterback role. Cool. Uh, Jack, anything else you want to discuss today? I know we've gone over our 15 minutes. Um, Just a shout out. I've got loads of articles over on the OBR. I think I've got everything set up to for an article each day. Um, so updated draft um, guardrails, boards out. Um, I've 
today was looking at four rooms where I think they'll still add free agents and some names for who they could look at. Um, tomorrow is a look at the 2021 age guardrails, which were less successful than the 2021s, which were great success. Um, I've got a study on the edge defenders on Wednesday, the defensive tackles on Thursday, and then on Friday, similar discussion what we're just having. Can they fit all eight rookies onto the roster? What position rooms and where can they go? So uh, loads of great stuff. Just want to give Jack a shout out. One year with the OBR. Yeah, crazy. Time flies when you're having fun. Here's a question for you, Jack. PFF, is that your next step in your career? Um, no, I, I don't think that's sort of a, a natural place for me to drop. I'm not quite as nerdy in the um, numbers on, of, of that, where the salary cap can go. Um, John, John Costco is reaching. He's rolling over right now. Hey, I'd, I'd love to, but I, I don't think they'd want me. <laughs> It, it when we talk about the kind of the, the rollout, and I'm maybe previewing one of your things coming up. Is the secondary the most locked in, so to say, or most defined? Because I mean, realistically, they brought in Mike Ford. I mean, we obviously covered the front seven pretty thoroughly. I mean, we pretty much know it's going to be Ward, Newsom, Graham, Green, Ford, Emerson, right? I mean, we kind of know those are your that's your slate of corners. Not not Graham, so I can't see Graham making the roster. But I'm just talking about those are the guys that are coming in right now. Like if they do add somebody, maybe they look at like the Tomlinson kid in the slot, or maybe the Clark Phillips. But if we're realistically going to see somebody, it's going to be in that safety position, right? Because you got Thornhill, you got Delpit. They already said they kind of like DeAnthony Bell. Maybe they like the Bubble Bolden with the connection uh, with the safeties coach. I don't know, but I mean, realistically, maybe safety three. I know you'd mentioned what uh, Neil was out there. Yeah. Um, Brad Steinberg, uh, personal source, is not someone that's on their radar oh. at the moment. But last year, generally they've kept uh, 10 DBs. And we've got seven locks, which is incredible when you're saying, hey, 70% of this room's done. So as you said, Ward, Newsom, Emerson, Ford, and Green. From the corner perspective, Ford's got half a mil guaranteed, if anyone's wondering why he's a special teamer, self-proclaimed best gunner in the NFL. Um, and Green's got a lot of guarantees as well. Safety perspective, Thornhill and Delpit are locks. That takes up to seven of the ten. Um, Graham and Bell are the only two guys that aren't. Graham, I think, is definitely not making the team because Ford's your backup slot to Newsom. Bell is in that grey area. So seven guys. I think we're definitely going to see a free agent come in here at some point. Rodney McLeod, jo uh, Joshua Carlu, Andrew... Um, Adams, Adams, Andrews, one of the two, um, is another one to keep an eye on. Um, those two guys played at Tennessee last year, so the Schwartz connection makes sense. So if you do that, suddenly you're up to eight. And then I'm expecting a safety in the draft, probably more of a box safety because we've seen a little bit from Bell, nothing special, but is he ready to replace Delpit in a year's time because he's probably not getting extended? So I think they need to draft that guy. And then we're at a point there where we've got 10, if you include Bell in it. If you then go, actually, we're going to draft a corner as well, which I could see them doing. Green um, and Ford are both one-year deals. Um, Green in particular, because Ford's more special teams. That Do you then go and push Bell out of the, the roster? So um, 
I, I think a free agent and a draft pick at safety feels natural. But if a cornerback's drafted as well, if I'm DeAnthony Bell, I'm looking at this thinking, yeah, my time's done here. Um, they Listen, try to put keep, on the practice squad. but Keep pushing the bottom of the roster up. And I'm not, I don't have any inside sources on this. But if the Browns do make a draft day trade, could we likely see it probably is going to come from the secondary room, right? You mentioned a lot of locks in corner. One, yeah. yeah. So if there's going to be a name pick, you know, them getting into the second or whatever it is, it's going to be secondary related. I think we just can figure that out because when we talk about the rooms, there's a lot in the air with the D tackles, DNs, linebackers. And then we look at secondary and we're like, yeah, we're good there. If anything, we got a surplus, you know, that's, I think kind of what we're all thinking in terms of how this defense is going to shape up, you know, if you do have to plug a hole and there is a deal to be had, look for it to come from the secondary. Jack, super quick question. Dan Davis is getting married on draft day or the night before draft day in the UK. So his wedding will be on the draft day eve and then one o'clock in the morning we have draft day. With our picks, can we can we go all the way up to the first round? No. no. So I think the highest you're going to get, and I actually wrote on this last week, looking at the five-year history from every one of the Browns picks um, up and down in the draft, I think the highest you can get is about 56, realistically, for how Andrew Berry would want to do the deal with two picks going either way. Um, I don't remember which year that one came from, but that, I think, is sort of as high as you're going to go into the, the mid-50s. Cool. Don't so mid-50s... Mid fifties will be um, day two, and yeah. yeah, it'll be the end of the second round. So, just to sort of touch on um, what Ian said with uh, potential trades moves, one other thing that is really, really positive here in terms of the roster, we could finish the draft where you've got wide receiver Woods, tight end Bryant, tackle Hague. Um, maybe Deaton on the interior line, um, Elliot at DT, Thomas at edge, um, Phillips at linebacker, Graham at cornerback, Bell at safety, where they're all very uh, uh, on the outside, probably not making the roster because they've already drafted someone or added another free agent. But that's injury cover, which is great because... Guys will go down through camp. You'll lose two, three guys that might not be starters, but they're part of the team. Um, and then you've already got a guy that steps up because if Alex Wright, say, he goes down in camp and he's out for the season and suddenly Thomas goes, hey, I'll go in as your fifth edge for the year. That's great. Rather than the old days of like somebody goes down in a position room and it's like, yep, some street free agent we've never heard of. You're in the uh, roster for week one. So that is just a run through of realistic names in every single room that could be there to step up and play, which uh, is, is a pleasant, pleasant change. It's not just competition that we spoke about. It's that injury protection too. How wild is it that we're having this conversation before the draft? I mean, that's the wild part when we talk about like, I mean, we've guys, we've had this conversation in the past, right? And it was not a good conversation. We were talking about just the, the blatant holes, right? How much we were missing. It's 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 crazy to think. But this is the deepest team since the return, and it's not even close. It's one of the deepest rosters in the entire NFL. And I, I don't feel even slightly question throwing that out there. Paul, how good does it feel to say that? 
Um, I, I'll go back to what I say every season. It sounds great now. Wait till week one. <laughs> we, you you do say that often. I will say that. When we've got three wide receivers or three defense, defensive linemen and six undrafted free agents bulking up our team. There's going to be a certain amount of injuries that happens every year. It's just a, the yep. sport. So it sounds great now, but let's wait and see where we are first week. Yeah. And I think that's one of the reasons, Paul, that they're finally focusing on building out that depth. You know, we talk about how we're able to develop guys beneath guys. So there's not, and I think Jackie you talk about, there's an appreciable jump from starter level to, oh my God, a guy having to take a hundred snaps. Now is taking 300 snaps and he's terrible, right? It's, it's, it's filling that back end with contract friendly bodies. This, these are the Al Woods signings that you need, right? So to say. Huh. So exciting times. I'm really, really happy with this roster. Um, we'll touch the special teams now. All three locked in, job done. Um, and then we'll come back with an offensive show uh, at some point. Uh, yeah, later this week. Listen, we got a little bit of time to fill here before the draft. Paul is bringing back, bring, bringing back some first, first growth wines. Appreciate that, Paul. Thank you. I, I do enjoy Bordeaux and Burgundies. Um, so I look, I look forward to seeing what you're able to find there in France for me. Interestingly, I'm not drinking over here at the moment. I'm having one or two beers. Well, I'm happy because that means more for me that you're going to bring back. Because if you drink it all, it's not going to make it back to the UK with you. Well, there we go. And uh, Ian, I'll be honest with you, getting wine from getting wine from France to USA is always a difficult job. Where's this from, Paul? Rattlers from Cornwall. Cornwall zone. Do you like it? It's a bit... Oh, it's great. It's a bit strong, but uh, yeah, you wouldn't want to drink too many of them. No. Have you, Paul, speaking of Cornwall, have you checked out the uh, that show I told you about on HBO or whatever it is? I haven't, mate. I haven't really. If you send me a clip, I'll watch it, I promise you. All right. It's For those out there, it's um, it's CB Strike on HBO. The character Cormoran Strike is kind of a private detective investigator based out of London, and his character is from Cornwall, so... I can't wait to watch it, mate. Send me yeah. links straight away, mate, and I'll watch it. I will. They they do talk about different Cornish things as well. And the it's a UK based show, right? So it's written oh. obviously by JK Rowling under a different pen name. So it's all based in the UK, written for UK. I just enjoy it because, you know, it's a good show. Jack, here's a question. Did you see Mausel AFC on Football Focus? I didn't, but I saw it on Twitter. Sort of Mr. Paul Brown tweeting about it. Yeah, quite good though, isn't it? Oh, it's amazing news. Um, a non-league, a little, little non-league team. Because that's not even like Wrexham sort of non-league. This is like the proper non-league. Um, yeah. How's your team doing this year? Not good. We lost our manager and all of our players. <laughs> On the cusp of the playoffs and now we're at a wasted season. It's all right. You didn't concede in the 90th minute like Tottenham did to Everton. So 1-1 draw there with a couple of reds. Mm. Uh, one thing I haven't talked about, I saw Hayden Grove in London last week. Very nice. How's Hayden? He's good. I'm trying to get him to go to Chelsea versus Liverpool tomorrow. Ooh, I, that'll, I, that'll be a tough ticket. Yeah. And if you didn't know, getting tickets for the Premier League is a lot harder than American football. You mean less people are willing to give up their true fandom tickets for the game of football as opposed to the American football where there's everybody just wants to make a profit? Correct. 100% correct. 
and I explained to him the difference between the home team is at the first here in the UK because he couldn't get his head around it because we don't say uh, we say Chelsea is the home team first then Liverpool are the away team we don't say Liverpool at Chelsea yeah it's Chelsea v Liverpool the Chelsea hosts the opponent from or you know coming in from Liverpool yes That'll be a big match. That'll be mag. Chelsea's uh they've they've sacked their manager and or their gaffer, as you boys would say, they sacked the gaffer, and they're bringing in you know children. Who knows? It'll be interesting to see. Maybe they'll actually play with some excitement because I will tell you right now, they put you to sleep when you watch them. Liverpool scum. We need to beat them. Jack, do you think Chelsea gets beat three 0 or worse versus Real this week in Champions next week? I should say. I think we'll be all right. You think it'd be all right against You've Real? Got that weird thing of when you sack man- uh, the two times Chelsea have won the Champions League, they've sacked their manager. So uh, third time's a treat. There you go. You heard it here first. So, all right. Oh, well, good chatting with you boys, Paul. Enjoy France, uh, Margot's, Saint Julian's, all those, all for, for me. Jack drinks cider, so don't it. waste the good stuff on him. You take care, mate. Go Browns. Go Browns. Good boy.